We're hanging on to each new tidbit of information about these flying objects high in the sky. The latest? Fighter pilots who took down number four last weekend over Lake Huron saying it was octagonal in shape. It was not a cylindrical balloon. The search continues for debris after the downing of four high-altitude objects over the past two weeks. For a time last weekend, the FAA closed down commercial airspace over Montana, then Michigan, for a period of time before the UFOs were shot down. Only the first, that large balloon with cargo three buses wide, has been identified as belonging to China, which says the massive object was merely collecting weather data. One other tidbit from the White House this week. It's not aliens from another planet. Now, a UFO task force has been formed with several government agencies sharing anything and everything. The real mystery in this world, though, God's will, according to his purpose, set forth in Christ. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus and a program called Love by the Book as this week we explore the great love chapter in God's Word. But here on planet Earth, how can we forget what we heard yesterday? A lot of famous secular love songs out there. And I think I'm going out of my head. Yes, I think I'm going out of my head. pitched voice of Little Anthony and the Imperials from 1964 with Going Out of My Head, reminding us that what the world needs now more than anything is not just love, not even sweet love that we think about on a Valentine's Day. True love that passes all understanding is the love we find in Jesus Christ, and especially made known in 1 Corinthians 13, often called the love chapter of the Bible. Stay with me. We're going to look at that passage on the program today. And we'll also hear a portion of a conversation I had with an Old Testament scholar on the Hebrew word hesed. This deep word reflects a unique form of love that we all need to understand. But before we open with our first Christian song, I'd like to share with you a very helpful resource called Where to Find It in the Bible. I've found this book very helpful in my own study of God's Word, and I think it'll help you too. With thousands of topics, you can quickly search for the verses you need as you're studying God's Word or talking with someone about the Lord. And as our thanks for your support of this ministry, we'll send you where to find it in the Bible. So call us after the program at 800-65-HAVEN. That's 800 800- 65 Haven, or you can make your gift online at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And if you wanted to, but just didn't get around to it, we still have the double DVD of The Hiding Place and Return to the Hiding Place for your gift as well. And now let's open with a Christian love song by Chris Tomlin. You have my heart. And I am yours forever You are my strength 
God of grace and power In everything you hold in your hand Still you make time for me I can't understand Praise you God of earth and sky album called Arriving, that was Chris Tomlin, An Unfailing Love, here in a haven today called Love by the Book. I'm Charles Morris. Back in 2010, I sat down with Dr. Bruce Waltke in his backyard just outside Seattle, Bellevue, and we talked about all sorts of things regarding the Old Testament, because that was his field of study. He's 92 years old and still working. And one of the things we talked about was a Hebrew word, hesed. I think this will be helpful for you to better understand God's love commitment to his people, as in a moment we'll turn back to 1 Corinthians 13. I asked Bruce Walkey, please explain to us what hesed means. Briefly speaking, hesed means that people who have a covenant relationship 
one of them falls into a situation where he or she cannot help himself or herself. And the other person has the ability to meet that need and steps in to help the helpless. Mm. Hesed is beautifully illustrated in the death of Joseph. And at one point in his life, turned his back on Canaan and his family. You can understand why. But at the end of his life, he now sees his life holistically, and he identifies with his family. And he says, I want to be buried, not in Egypt, with all of its splendor. I want to be buried with the simplicity of my father's. Back home. Back home. His problem is, he can't bury himself. And he says to his brothers, this is the Hesed you will show me. Mm. You will bury me with my fathers, what he can't do. This is the Hesed of Ruth. It's not a traditional love story, as many people think. The sublimity of the book is her quality of Hesed. She's married into a family of no winners. Her father-in-law dies, her husband dies, her sister's husband dies. She's bereft, she has nobody. But she will be loyal to her husband, Machlan. Loyal because he cannot have an heir who will carry on his memory. And that was of great value in the Old Testament. They sought a social immortality, that the names would not be blotted out. And so she wants to preserve his memory and the memory of her father-in-law. And she loves her mother-in-law. And her mother-in-law, when she comes going back to the land, her mother-in-law says, you have shown hesed to me and to the deceased. You've been loyal, but you've gone far enough. And Ruth says, your people, my people. Mm. Your God, my God. And when she comes back, Boaz is also characterized by Hesed. And he's going to be loyal to Ruth because she is that kind of a person, of this kind of loyalty, this kind of kindness, this kind of love, this unselfishness to serve the other person. And so he will be loyal to her. And see, whereas Ruth's sister-in-law, Opa, had Hesed, but only to a point, when faced with the hard reality that there was no future with Naomi, she turned back to her gods and her father's family. And stayed. family. Never went. Never went. But Ruth went that extra mile. An Old Testament scholar, Dr. Bruce Walke, that I had with him in his backyard back in 2010. If you'd like to hear our full conversation, check out our Great Stories podcast at haventoday.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris. The Apostle Paul says that out of faith, hope, and love, the one that remains is love. Love changes everything. In fact, love made the world. The Lord created all things, not because he had to, but because he wanted to. And he loves to share his goodness. Love made everything. And love brought us salvation. Jesus Christ is the love of God in human form. Jesus is all of God in the flesh, of course, and that includes the love of God. God is love, as 1 John reminds us. Love is so important 
and not just when it comes to our relationship with him. We remember our first love. We look for love. We sing about love. We heard a love song when we opened up the program by little Anthony. But what exactly is love and true love? We know it's more than a feeling, more than affection. And thankfully, the Apostle Paul wrote a portion of the Bible focused on love. And you know I'm talking about 1 Corinthians 13, the famous love chapter. Maybe you had it read for your wedding. It's the most popular text to read at weddings. Let me share a few verses with us together. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It isn't proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It isn't self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And then that famous verse 8, love never fails. No wonder this is read at weddings. It's a beautiful description of love. You may not know this, but this section of 1 Corinthians is not focused on husband and wife relationships. It's speaking to a church. And Paul was instructing them on what it means to live together as the body of Christ. The Corinthians were not the ideal picture of a loving church. They were actually opposite to what Paul says here. They were divisive, choosing their favorite teachers or apostles and excluding others. They even resorted to boasting. The Lord had given them gifts like he does to all Christians, but the Corinthians were behaving as if they were responsible for their own gifts, not the Lord. Paul's description of love was intended to correct the Corinthians, and it does that by giving us a better understanding of love. What a beautiful text. Think about just the end of that passage, love never fails. Everyone knows failure. It's something we teach our children growing up. You can't win everything. Sometimes you're going to try, but you're going to fail. Sometimes it'll be because you're still learning. Other times it'll be because others are better than you. And sometimes it will just seem to happen. However it happens, everyone experiences that sting of loss and failure in their life. And it hurts. It hurts even worse when we're depending on someone and they fail. So many people grew up looking for love and for support from a parent, only to have that parent walk out on the family. The pain of abandonment sticks with us for the rest of our life. And when someone fails to care for us the way we need, it really stings. Paul is telling us in 1 Corinthians thirteen eight that we will not experience that sting, though, when it comes to the love of Christ. That love never fails. The love of the Lord is steadfast. It endures forever. Paul telling us that we can depend on it. The Lord won't walk out on us. His love will never fail us. We can put it into practice. We can love others and know that our efforts won't be in vain. Love never fails. I said earlier that love brought us salvation, and that's a definitive statement. Love brought us salvation because Christ came as a definitive display of the Lord's love and his determination to save us. Love never fails. It won't fail to take care of us. 
and it won't fail to bring us back to the Lord. And it is this definitive and glorious truth that helps us make sense of the rest of 1 Corinthians 13. The text goes on. Let me share it with you. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. And then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Now this text is the center of a lot of debate about spiritual gifts and whether certain kinds are still active today. It's an important question, but it's not the question I want us to talk about. Paul is in the midst of explaining the importance of love, that steadfast nature of Christ's love, that his love will never fail. And then he turns to these statements about prophecy and knowledge. Earlier in 1 Corinthians, he said if he knows everything and can preach and prophesy even in the language of angels, but is missing love, then it's a failure. If we are able to do everything and have all sorts of spiritual gifts, but don't have love, Paul says we are nothing. Love is at the center. Love remains. Even when knowledge passes away, even when prophecy ceases, love remains. Why? Because in Christ, there will come a time that we no longer need to look forward and to live our life in light of the knowledge or belief of his coming. One day, we will see him face to face. We'll know him fully, even as we are already fully known. We won't need a prophecy that tells us what will happen and how to find Christ in the future. We will have Christ right there with us. Love remains, even though these important gifts will fade. It's the same as growing up. The things you cared about as a child aren't the same things as the things you care about now. The way you reason is hopefully more careful and steadier now than it was when you were four years old. When love comes, when Christ comes to take us home, this will be our experience too. And we'll enter into a new world, a new life, that isn't marked by the sting of failure and the pain of disappointment. We'll enter his new creation where love remains and his people see clearly. And the good news is that we don't actually have to wait until that day to begin living in this love of the Lord. When we look at the cross, we see what true love looks like. It's that kind of love that we are called to show to our neighbors. Self-sacrificial love. Love that looks not to our own interests, but freely gives ourselves up. The resurrection of Christ three days later tells us his love never fails. Death and sadness do not have the last word. Christ and his love have the final word. And by faith, we can receive his love. We can enter in and know that we are taken care of. Love never fails. It didn't fail when Jesus was here on earth, healing and helping those in desperate need. 
It didn't fail when he walked with his disciples, teaching them what his kingdom was like, teaching them what love looks like. It didn't fail when he went to the cross for us. It triumphed in the resurrection. Love was victorious over sin, over death, and over our failures. Love never fails. That is a definitive statement. And it's an invitation to receive Christ's love here and now. He loves us, and he won't ever fail to take care of those he loves. Love is patient, love is kind. It has no arrogance or pride. It seeks the good of others first. It keeps no record of wrong or hurt. It finds no joy in wickedness, but rejoices in. out last year called All I Need to Know. That's Leslie Jordan and Love Will Never Fail. Here on A Haven Today, as we've been walking through 1 Corinthians 13 this week, 
Join us in our program tomorrow to hear more. Reading the Bible is so important. It draws us closer to our Savior, but it also changes us as well. And that's why I want to encourage you to read God's Word for yourself. Do it every day. But sometimes that can be a bit daunting. Where do we start? What book should we read? Well, that's why I'm looking forward to sharing a gem that I discovered a few years ago that's been a blessing in my life. It's called Where to Find It in the Bible. It has thousands of topics in it, like love, But more importantly, it's saturated with thousands of scripture passages that will help you study God's word more effectively. From my own morning devotions to writing messages here on Haven Today, where to find it in the Bible has guided me to just the right place at a moment's notice. And I'd like to send you this helpful resource right now for your support of Haven Today. All you need to do is call. Call 800 65 Haven, 865 Haven, or go to our website, haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And when you're there, take a look also at the double feature DVD called The Hiding Place and Return to the Hiding Place. Corey Ten Boom and her Christian family and friends helped rescue Jews in World War II. Powerful movies that still apply to us today. Ask about that when you call or read more online there on our website. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when on Thursday, again, we'll be sharing together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. One thing we need more and more of in today's world is peace. Yes, world peace. But we know that world peace isn't going to happen this side of heaven. We need more of Christ's peace, too. The peace He gives us from the Father, forgiveness of sins, the peace of knowing we are loved and accepted, do you know this peace? John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Christ has given us his peace. The very peace he has with the Father he gives to us. It's ours in Jesus. Spend more time with Jesus. Visit GetAnchor.com.